Hello, wonderful people of the world, and welcome to season three of Go Out and Talk to Strangers. This is Ati. I'm a nomadic architect and the founder of the new movement, architectural design studio that designs one-of-a-kind, innovative, and creative projects worldwide, using the built environment as a tool to help people thrive. During my world travels, I'm constantly meeting incredible people. People who are reshaping the way we live, work, and connect. The reason I started this show is because I want to highlight the ones who are leading the way. This is the place where I host thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders of unique projects to share their stories and insights. I want to invite you to be part of the change. If you are looking for something bigger than yourself, if you also feel that we can do better and standard is simply not good enough, you're in the right place. I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. I am very, very excited to welcome to the show Martin Hahn. Hey, Martin! Hello, nice man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. We've been waiting for this interview for quite a while since we met, and I'm very happy that we'll be able to create that space and discuss all the wonderful things that you're doing in this world. So I'm going to introduce you and let me know if I did it well. Great. Martin believes that we are living in the most exciting period of human history, and it is his purpose to support humanity's transition to a new paradigm. He is a regenerative catalyst from Switzerland that work at the intersection of placemaking and social innovation. He is passionate about creating inspiring places, well, that makes both of us, <laughs> that enable transformative learning experiences and showcase new ways of living. With a background in hospitality management and food startups, he's working on hybrid retreats, campus and village concepts that prototype disruptive combination of consciousness, regeneration and social technology, as well as being a lecturer for regenerative tourism and hospitality. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. It's, uh, it's Monday, the sun is shining. All good. <laughs> Yes, that's great. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling in from Zurich, Switzerland. Mm, wonderful. Okay, so let's dive in. What is regenerative tourism? That's kind of new for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, maybe before we really dive into the application to tourism, let's maybe look a little bit at what this whole regenerative um, thing is all together. Um, why do we need this regenerative paradigm? So regeneration is a progression of sustainability and it's a much needed one because sustainability doesn't work. Um, that might be a bit of a radical statement, but... Um, it is. Please elaborate on that. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, sustainability doesn't do the job because it fails to question the, continu the continual economic growth paradigm. So it's basically a band-aid that tries to reduce the damage whilst we keep on racing towards the wall. Mm. But sustainability is nevertheless important because it has laid the awareness foundation with the SDGs, the ESG criteria for regeneration to build upon. Mm -hmm. So for me, the main difference between um, sustainability and regeneration is basically the underlying worldview. In sustainability, it's a mechanistic one based on the industrial economic growth paradigm, which sees human and nature as separate. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas in regeneration, uh, there is an ecological worldview where humans and nature are interconnected and where the focus is to regenerate and not to grow. Which doesn't mean that uh, regeneration cannot create economical income or growth, but then rather in the form of degrowth, which could become an entirely new sector in the transition phase uh, as well. Okay, so if we try to, to break it down and make it very, very simple, it goes beyond not damaging the environment. That is more the sustainable mindset. Let's sustain what we already have, right? And regenerative actually aims to actively revitalize and regenerate in a positive impact. Is that correct? Exactly. I mean, just, just looking at the fact that um, as our society nowadays, we're using 1.7 planets a year. I mean, the resource of 1.7 planets. I mean, how can we just continue like that if we have done way too much damage already? It's just not good enough to not do any more damage because there's already too much damage done. It's It's pretty obvious, I think. Yes, 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 it is. Okay, so then you say, let's not only do the same amount of damage, let's minimize it and actually help nature uh, recover and be better. Yeah? Exactly. Just to turn things around. And so for me, the only way to really, let's say, kind of not in a way fixing, but, you know, improving it is really to focus on degrowth and just kind of turn the growth mindset around and grow the regeneration because that's going to be a big transition phase where we have to get out of the current mindset and transition into something else. And there is also a lot of economical potential in that. I mean, there's a whole lot of industries which will be necessary to make that transition. So there's a big uh, potential in there. And um, if you want to apply to tourism, um, that's where I really see that there's like, you know, certain key concepts and, and, and conceptual principles like using more systems thinking, uh, leveraging the potential of place, as well as focusing on community and collaboration. The way I see it, we have all those different aspects of how the economy works. And tourism is such a powerful engine. There's so much money that goes into tourism. There's so much effort. And I can say personally, it's not that we want to stop traveling and exploring places because there's also the benefit of that to our mindset, to diversity, to kindness of meeting strangers, of meeting other people. But then how do we do it in the most regenerative way? I think a lot of people are struggling with that. And also a lot of the listeners of this podcast, there are people who are starting their own projects and they want to make sure how can we make things different. And that's why I'm so happy that we're having this conversation today. What would you say are the main areas that people should be focusing on yeah well i mean just to still finish off with the whole aspect of regeneration tourism so sure i, I would say that basically with regeneration you're really trying to create uh, improve and transform the the, the socio-ecological and economical systems where tourism practices occur so the, the aim in, in these systems will be to establish uh, ecological processes that uh, elevate well-being. So you don't uh, see the visitor economy as an industrial production, but as a living system embedded in nature. And that already changes the whole um, mindset towards it. But, but as you mentioned, tourism is a huge industry. I mean, uh, tourism is contributing to uh, 10% of GDP. Uh, it creates uh, 300 million jobs worldwide. And just before the pandemic, I think in 2019, we had the highest number of tourist arrivals uh, per year 
globally with 1.3 billion, which is, is massive. Wow. So I'm just wondering, I mean, do we really have to go back to that? Or do we have to maybe realize that we already had too much, that it's just too much? Um, um, I'm just saying because the whole regenerative mindset also focuses on quality and not quantity. So yes. do we really need this 1.3 billion arrivals with all the mass tourism, with all the weekend trips, with all the business trips, or can we just maybe, you know, degrow a little bit and focus on more quality, longer stays, different forms of travel? Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but, but yeah, I mean, we also have to see, you know, for example, if we look at the, the social functions of tourism, I mean, what does it uh, fulfill? Um, traditionally, it's status, it's relaxation, distraction, adventure, but but also the needs are changing with time, and especially the the new generations like the Gen Z and then Y, that together are representing I think over sixty percent of the world population. They have different expectations towards what makes a memorable trip. They're looking increasingly for uh, authentic uh, experiences that are high touch, means based on co-creation between the visitor and the local ecosystem and its inhabitants. And that's something which is the current uh, tourism industry is not really providing at a large scale. Yeah, but in the small scale, do they provide it, on your opinion? Well, I think it's 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 growing. It's still a niche, but obviously it's it's a big transition phase. I mean, tourism is slowly waking up to the realization of the needs of sustainability. And um, now we're coming with generation, which is kind of taking it a, a step further. But I think there's a lot of people, especially after COVID, which have realized that, well, things don't really work that well, as we always thought. So what are options to change? And now people are exploring this potential more and more. And then they're finding tool like, you know, regeneration, which you know comes with a lot of different uh, tool sets and approaches. And uh, so they're being inspired and they're trying to do things which are also more nourishing for themselves as, as tourism providers. Yes, yes, absolutely. I feel like it's a shift in mindset, not only in tourism, but in all aspects of life, right? If before we had that mentality of let's work really hard and then burn out, and then when we're 65 or so, we can retire and really enjoy waking up in the morning or enjoying life. Now we're, we're all, you know, we see what's happened globally since the pandemic and even before, but it just amplified everything so quickly. Exactly. Yeah. That people are not willing to wait anymore. We want to have now work-life balance. We want to have now harmony with nature and with the planet and to consume or support businesses that actually we share values with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, this is definitely the way to go, but also the way that the world is shifting so rapidly. How can we hmm. future-proof ourselves? Let's say if I'm um, developing a business nowadays, how can I know what's going to happen in one or two years when it will actually be ready to host people? Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we're living in a, in, a, in a VUCA world, you know, with a lot of volatility, uncertainty, uh, chaos, ambiguity. So I think it's really about resilience, to, to create resilience and, and uh, resilience for me is supported by also by hybrid concepts and hybrid business models because there you don't put all your eggs in the same basket and you create uh, resilience through different segments and, and income streams that complement and support each other. 
So I'm, I'm currently working on a project uh, here in Switzerland where we um, are developing a mixed-use property that combines residential living, uh, hotel accommodation, a bit of commerce and a diverse cultural offering with gastronomy. So that makes things also you know, more interesting for yourself as an operator, but also attracts uh, different uh, customer segments. But, but yeah, I mean, how do you make a, a business more regenerative in general? I mean, that's, uh, there's still a lot to be figured out and, and definitely um, we have to apply, let's say, principles of circularity and uh, to focus on, on, on alternative value creation that's really focusing on qualitative value creation and not just purely monetary. Yeah, 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 yeah. we definitely need you. Let's, let's hear more about that. <laughs> How do you, let's say, what are the most common mistakes that people still do nowadays when they have the sustainable mindset, but not the regenerative one? And how can we avoid them? Yeah, maybe also to frame it a bit bigger. I mean, I mean it's a tough question, but I, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody with, with this one. Of course, but my personal no experience. Yeah. No, no, but I think it's just my personal experience over, let's say, the 20 plus years I've been in this industry. Um, it's it's not really anybody's fault, as this is just the way the industry has evolved along most other industry where the competitive pressure has increased and therefore business has become tougher and less humane. So I feel that having become, let's say, part of this globalized machine, the personal touch got increasingly lost. So that the soul of hospitality is hosting and building relationships. This for me just got lost more and more because becoming the victim of cost savings and time pressure. So, so for me, the, the most painful mistake is, is, is to sell your soul, to say it in a dramatic way, by, by playing along the, the competitive mass tourism game. This is the reason why I stepped out of traditional hospitality a couple of years back to become an independent consultant and, and find joy again in my work for tourism and hospitality. And, and finding your niche is not always easy, but it's, uh, it's, it's much more satisfying in the end. So I'm not going to speak of mistakes in general, but uh, I think that's just kind of the issue we are really facing in, in the industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So scaling up and losing what made this place or concept good at the first place like the personal touch and the connection with the guests exactly mm-hmm. yeah exactly. yeah yeah i can see that absolutely that's why i guess in some ways airbnb and other vacation rentals uh platform became so popular at the beginning i remember one of the first airbnb experiences i had was in barcelona uh, me and my my ex, we went on a trip, and instead of booking a hotel, we booked a room in a shared apartment uh, with this marvelous gay couple, and we had so much fun. <laughs> we used their bicycle to to ride around the city, and we went to their to meet their friends, and you know, just having wine in the evening on our balcony with them. It was, I think, more than the city itself. We enjoyed interacting with locals. And for me, it was such a beautiful eye-opening experience because it just started. So the whole idea of going to a different culture, going to a new city and discovering it, how can we do it in mm-hmm. the best possible way? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how would it look like at scale? That would be interesting to explore. Yeah, I think that's something we'll, 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 we'll see in the next uh, couple of years. But <clears throat> I completely share that the experience uh, you have with Airbnb. I mean, I have the same experiences, you know, like I don't know, when Airbnb came up in 15 years ago, where you had really this 
personal interaction with people where they were really hosting you and they were curious who are you and like you know let's let's do this and that and invite you for dinner but then the whole thing got commercialized i mean the the the, the commissions increased etc etc and it became a business and it lost its soul like with everything it's everything usually starts with a good intention and then it gets you know corrupted along the way and then it just ends up being uh, yet another business that um, is not very exciting anymore so <laughs> i think nowadays people are actually disappointed if they discover that someone is living in the place that they rented on airbnb it's, it's not just like <laughs> like oh there are personal items here that's so weird <laughs> exactly yeah 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 so can you share an example of an existing project that successfully transformed into this regenerative mindset well um i think this is just really the beginning i mean the whole regenerative movement in tourism is very young uh, the industry is, is just slowly starting to adopt sustainability uh, like i said so it's a big step mm-hmm. but but one that just got a big push from from the whole uh, COVID situation. Therefore, yeah, I find it hard to to point out one single project uh, because many are trying their way to regeneration from individual properties to destinations. And many who do great work don't even bother to call them uh, themselves regenerative. They, they just do it. And others who, who write regeneration all over the website are just greenwashing. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you have the whole, let's say, agritourism movement and the, the slow tourism, the ecotourism. I mean, this is, is not new. There's people who have been living this for decades already. And obviously now there's a new label. There's a lot of buzz around it. And uh, that's why people... Mm-hmm. Let's explain that. All those words you just said that you, th- you think are very uh, <laughs> common for everyone. L- let's take a moment and, and explain that because maybe some of the listeners are not familiar with that. So you mentioned slow tourism, aqua tourism, and what was the third one? I'm not sure if there was a third one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, agriculture? Oh, yeah, with the agriturismos. I mean, you know, the kind of, let's say, rural uh, hotels you find, like, you know, like in, in southern uh, Europe and mainly in Italy and, and in Spain, where basically people who have a, a more rural setting, you know, with, a, let's say, traditionally a farm, they just start to open, uh, providing a few guest, guest rooms. Mm-hmm. So this is really the soul of hospitality, where they just welcome uh, strangers into their home. And I mean, the whole ecotourism movement, I mean, that also started, you know, like 20, 30, 40 years ago, where people were just looking for different ways how to uh, get away and have different kind of experiences. I mean, that need was always there. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, it was 20 years ago, the whole, let's say, slow food movement came up, but then it's, oh, and it's the slow tourism. So there's always a new name for things that kind of, you know, come along with you know, societal uh, trends and, and tendencies where we have there's new needs coming up in society and then well we create a name for it and there's a branding around it but i think in essence it always stays the same i mean now in, i think in in the german-speaking area they, they call it resonance tourism so it's always the same need people just want to have authentic transformative uh, travel experiences mm. and, that's it and i think now we just have you know a new name for it but it's kind of framed in a bigger picture where it has this whole systemic approach to it and and we we kind of put in much more let's say kind of content and and uh and um yeah there's more to it than just ecotourism i think it takes really more like a societal um transformational uh, dimension now with with the regeneration yeah 
there's also a uh, slow medism. I don't know if you heard about this one. <laughs> that's no. uh, these are nomads. I, I identify as a slow med. Okay. These are nomads that would uh, instead of you know um, being in forty countries in two years, uh, our goal is actually to be in less places, uh, and we measure. Okay. I'm saying we because I know there are more people who it's not a I'm not a member of any <laughs> club officially, but I know a lot of people share this mindset of it's not about how many places I've been to. The question is in how many places do I feel at home? Exactly. And what does this mean? So that's also interesting. And I think you know nomads are the early adopters of slow tourism and slow medism and all of that. But I think more people now that have the the freedom to work from home or anywhere would actually start to explore the freedom that it gives them. Mm. And instead of going for a weekend or a week in Italy or in Costa Rica or in South Africa, they'll go for a month because they can actually work remotely and explore the place and get a real sense of place. That's something that we use in architecture. What is the sense of place? Is that thing, you know, if I'll tell you to imagine let's say Lisbon, because I know you've mm. been there. You, you get that that feeling of what does it mean to be in Lisbon, how the light looks like, that feeling that you get when you walk in the streets and from time to time there's this nice alley that kind of like invites you, lures you in to, it's like, oh, I want to explore this street or mm -hmm. I want to sit in this cafe. You just get that atmosphere. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Things that we can't describe in words, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's just a, more of like a sensation in the body. Yeah. I feel we're craving that with the technological progress and everything is so being hyper-connected. We crave using our senses. We crave being in physical places and explore them ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, just thinking of it, I mean, you were asking for examples. And I mean, for me, it's always a bit of difference, you know, whether you have destinations, because there's always entire destinations who can adopt a certain approach. I mean, there, I think, I think Flanders was quite <clears throat> early um, in <clears throat> in Belgium to, to really kind of adopt a regenerative mindset. I think New Zealand is doing a great job. And we also have, you know, one area in, in Switzerland, Tockenburg, which is kind of adopting the whole region, uh, the, the resonance tourism um, paradigm now. And uh, then you always have individual properties or you have new projects. And uh, speaking of projects, I just heard of, of something uh, recently, which, which interests me particularly because uh, they use this kind of lab approach, something that we're doing as well here in our development. And um, the project is called Flinters Island. It's a regenerative tourism living lab in Tasmania, Australia. And um, just to quote from the website, I think that the aim of the project, uh, it's called the Island Away, is to co-design the future of tourism with the community using regenerative tourism principles and practices. So the project uh, seeks to work with the community to identify, co-design and incubate innovative place-based and community-driven uh, projects. So that's something I'm definitely going to be following. But but I know there's going to be, in the next few years, there's going to be many exciting prototypes and model projects uh, who will lead the way for transformation uh, of tourism. So I think it's an exciting time to, to mm -hmm. live in there. Indeed. I, I love the co-creation component of what you just described, right? Because a lot of the time... Uh, we see it in remote places. Let's say a village in India is getting popular 
and then you have different families hosting travelers and then maybe someone opens a, a guest house but then the big developers come and they build hotels that none of the local people can compete with in standard and in price and yeah it's just completely change the ecosystem because people are left with nothing but let's say what happens and instead of doing that the people of the village will be part of that ownership will have some sort of ownership of that hotel and also help people because they know their environment best they can show people mm. around and host them for i don't know cooking classes and exploration of, of the mountains nearby and create a, a completely different experience that is co-creation mm -hmm. and also gives that added value i would be very very interested in seeing that and it also talks about you mentioned um i mentioned in your bio that you're also doing placemaking so that whole bottom up approach that is not some planner saying as an architect right sometimes we think we know best what people need but actually when you ask them how how can we help how can we use this public space in a better way what is missing mm -hmm. uh, then this is where we come up with real innovative projects and something that fits in and can be used for many years and not only as a you know as a bandage mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. can you think of any other examples of co-creation cultural projects mm. even just ones that have some aspects not like an entire project because i know it's it's still in the making and it takes years to build and develop so mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I uh, I think is a, is an interesting aspect of that is really how to transform also, like let's say, an existing project and make it more regenerative, because very often, I mean, we cannot completely recreate, let's say, all the infrastructure, and we also we shouldn't because it's not really sustainable. So I think a lot of the projects that I see is where people are trying to work with something existing, and turn it into something which fits more according to their values or what they want to co-create. And, and that is very often, let's say, a community-driven effort because the local ecosystem sees, oh, we have a need. Well, we have, let's say, there's a lot of, let's say, abandoned uh, tourism infrastructures, hotels that don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. So the community actually takes the initiative to take over something. And there you need all the community resources and that's usually a very uh, participatory driven process because everybody kind of you know has to bring in all their talents and uh, of course you need a bit of you know management and structure and, and a bit of funding but when something emerges out of the community it has much more more weight and people kind of you know support it because it's kind of their project but um yeah this usually is it's it's like a journey and there's no uh, let's say uh, Uh, best practices for it there's only kind of better practices and uh, so regeneration in a way is not like kind of a quick fix solution mm -hmm. it's it's more that the challenge is to live with the question and the unknown of a, of a new paradigm and really see well what makes sense for me in that given moment and then to do that together with um, other people so it's it's always about collaboration because you can't do this alone and it's much more fun to do it with others in the end like so many things <laughs> exactly <yeah. laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe you can suggest some 
areas or let's say like a, a checklist that people who already has projects can try and see if they can do it well not best like you said better uh what are the, the maybe small things that people who already have projects that are running can improve them to be more aligned with that mindset um so well i think first of all it's just important to kind of educate yourself you know learn what this whole regenerative paradigm is is all about because once you kind of get the mindset that the right actions will follow almost uh, automatically and um, it's also important to kind of really create the internal culture that is embracing uh, regeneration so your team kind of has to be on board as well as to deliver the whole regenerative uh, mindset uh, authentically and um yeah, so I think it's 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 really also, let's say, once you have educated yourself a little bit, and I mean, there's a lot of resources out there, there's a lot of websites, a lot of articles you can read. It's it's helpful just to identify which cause or which approach is close mm-hmm. to your heart. Where do you see your purpose fulfilled? And, and don't make it too hard for yourself at the start, but maybe you can just pick a bunch of, let's say, SDG topics that you want to focus on, um, whereas maybe others decide to focus uh, on certain regenerative elements like community engagement or investigating the, the unique uh, potential of place. So it's just like finding what's really close to your heart and then you can start implementing uh, uh, these things. And let's say, I mean, it, it, it has to happen also on three levels. So of course, there's like we said, the internal awareness to get the buy-in from the team and then to build, let's say, a, a co-created action plan from there. But also your customers, whether it's existing customers or the future customers, that you start to offer some sort of regenerative activity so that your guests can actually experience what you want to make them experience. So it, it's just the experience is much more effective than, than just information. And, and last but not least, is also just like really creating partnerships to reach out and and create collaborations in your local ecosystem. I mean, if more people are involved, you can offer more exciting things to your customers and and you create more impact in the end. Yes, I love this one. Okay, so we had all those different aspects. So first was mindset and the internal, what resonates with you. Then it's about educating the team, right? The people that are with you to get them on board. Exactly. And then you had... I really liked what you just said. So that was community, uh, partnerships with the local ec- ecosystem, and also uh, your present, like your, your clients or your future clients or future guests uh, to see how they, you can get them involved using experiences, right? Exactly, because I mean, also the, the customers, they're all stakeholders, even though they might be future stakeholders. But if you really work in a participatory way, mm-hmm. you can already include your stakeholders, even if they're going to be future stakeholders, in the whole process of designing something new. Yes, absolutely. And there are a lot of new model- models of ownerships that we see around us um, that actually are aligned with this mindset so it's not about we don't need to make profit if our uh we don't have to you know grow each year to be bigger than the year before to get the investors excited actually we're really good to stay the way we are as long as we're co-owning uh something that we believe in or at least choosing as a community getting decisions 
made about how we want to use our profits, how we want to use the extra income that we didn't expect to make the places that we're in better. Exactly. I mean, there's like a whole bunch of new, let's say, ownership models or <clears throat> governance models that you can implement. And of course, um, the more you keep the revenue or the profit in the local community, that's more resilience. But that's what usually happens with <clears throat> international tourism. I mean, you have chains which have their hotels everywhere. Well, where does the money go? It goes to a head office somewhere across uh, the, the, the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stay there. So it just kind of constantly drains and extracts the money from the local ecosystem. And that's not what we want. So oh. that's why we want to create more resilience and, and strengthen the local ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I really like that mindset where they say that every time you buy something, you actually vote with your money. Mm -hmm. You make a vote of like, what do I want to see more in the world? Is that a small business? Is that a big chain? Is that, you know, some of the big chains could be great as long as they're doing something, giving back to where they are. Exactly. I mean, chains don't necessarily have to be bad. It's just the way you really implement your your mission statements and your values. I mean, you can also do good, but it doesn't always have to be just with the goal of the, the shareholder value and profit maximization. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the businesses nowadays have very big words on their websites, like very big <laughs> mission statements. And then when it comes to actually measuring impact or measuring how they're doing, um, this is where we can see the gap. How do you tell, how can you tell when it's real or when it's greenwashing? <laughs> Well, I think in the, in the end, I mean, that's something that you feel intuitively and you, you feel it latest when you're on the site and you're experiencing the actual delivery. You feel whether people really understand it, whether they really mean it. But uh, you just mentioned, you know, um, how to measure things. I mean, what are the KPIs of, you know, like life quality? What is um, everything which is quantitative, you can measure very easily. But a lot of the, let's say, KPIs and measuration are qualitative. How do you measure all these things? And very often, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. So mm. it's, it's a bit of a gray area there. And there's a lot of things which, which you can feel, you know, emotionally and with your heart. And that's the, the true connection you, you build uh, when you're being hosted authentically with passion, when you're being welcomed by an ecosystem and you don't feel like an alien and tourist. I think that makes a difference. So... Of course, I mean, I think I've recently seen even a, an advertisement of a big pharmaceutical company where they put regeneration. And obviously, I mean, that's mm. like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> very hard to believe. A bit of a misuse of, of the word. But, but in the end, I mean, even if they kind of, let's say, get exposed to a concept like that, maybe it also trickle down. Um, after a while. So, but, but like I said, I mean, we're still kind of on this journey of, you know, trying to get sustainability right and uh, now we're coming with something which challenges the whole the whole mindset behind it so this, it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, steep learning curve we, we have to go on as a society in general so yes and where would be i'm going to share the link to your website and linkedin profile in sure. the show notes so anyone who wants to connect with you can Keep following the work that you do and um, be more familiar with that mindset. Uh, where would be the best place to to follow you? Um, just via my website and LinkedIn, I guess. Okay. I'm I'm not super active in all the other um, 
social media channels. I mean, I have an Instagram as well, but uh, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are so many nowadays. Yeah. Wow, this has been really interesting, Martin. Do you have any final words of advice to anyone who wants to go deeper in their generative tourism world? Well, generally, I mean, it, it, it's a journey. I mean, you just have to kind of, you know, em embark on it and, and, and be, be open to really have your, you know, worldview challenged and, and, and yeah, just be open and uh, engage with people and, and try new things. Be courageous and, and really do what your passion is, you know, really try to find your purpose and, uh, yeah, and have a good, good impact on the world. I think that's what really nourishes us in the end the most if we do things that have a good good impact and make us feel good you know so find out what makes you feel good and uh, if you can inspire others along the way that's uh, amazing that's beautiful i felt personally when your mission is bigger than yourself like by mission i can only say for myself it just gives you so much motivation and power You know, it's Monday and I jumped out of bed because I can't wait to start the week. <laughs> That means something. That means when you truly believe in what you do, it just fills you up with energy. And to see the, the responses for this podcast, I'm getting quite a lot of different messages and emails from listeners. Keep doing that. It's really awesome. It really warms my heart, the magic of the internet. You put something out there and then people respond to it. It's incredible. I feel very grateful to be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're coming to an end. But before we go, there is uh, one last question that I ask all of my guests. Uh, it's a surprise question, so I hope you're ready. <laughs> uh, and it's called uh, the wild napkin. The, the say again? The wild napkin. The wild napkin. Okay. Bring it on. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is how it goes. You go into a bar. And you have a couple of drinks and your mind is really free. All of a sudden you have the craziest idea, but all you have is a napkin. So you write it down. The next day you find that napkin. What does it say? Love yourself. Love yourself? Hmm. Wow, that was so intuitive. That's just what came up in my morning meditation today. Yeah, so I think that's... A good message for everybody that you can also share with everybody. Yeah. Yes. And that's not something that we never have too much of. I think we can <laughs> all go deeper in that exactly. journey. We need abundance of, of uh, self-love and loving each other. Yeah. <laughs> mm, beautiful. Okay. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for Welcome. taking the time and participating in the show. I really love their conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks everyone who joined us today. And until the next time, go out and talk to strangers. <laughs> Hi again. I hope you liked today's episode. If you learned something new, make sure to pay it forward and share it with someone in your network that might like it as well. Follow the show and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. As you know, I love to hear from you. If you have a thought or a question regarding today's episode, go to the New Movement website, that's www.thenewmvt.com and use the contact form to leave us a comment. Thank you for being part of the change. I'll see you next time.